welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, last weekend, as I said in the message, uh, it was our Miracle Offering Weekend. And I talked about our theme for the year of Take Ground. And I shared all the things that we were doing to Take Ground and getting the land in Maple Grove and then the launch and the announcement, of course, of the Lakeville campus. And of course, we started the Chaska. Well, there was one more uh, announcement that I needed to make, but we had to wait one week to do it. And so I wanna let you know that River Valley is also gonna have a new location that is going to be starting in Vancouver, Canada. So, yes. There's been a church there, Life Church in Vancouver, and uh, they have been following what we do and leaning in, and we've been partnering together over the last nine months. They said, we wanna be River Valley of Canada. And so because it's in another country, we have to start a separate entity uh, and we're trying to figure out, you're, do you have it all figured out? We don't have it all figured out, but we know the city and we know the pastors. We have Bish and Haley. They are the pastors there in Vancouver. You see a picture of them. We were at Campus Pastor Retreat and uh, yeah, we love them. And uh, uh, how's it going, eh? How's it, you know, I gotta get my A, you know. So. And people were like, how's it gonna work in Canada? When I went there to preach one time, they're like, How? I said, we're, we're practically the same. Canadians and Minnesotans, we're practically the same. We get confused as each other all the time. So exciting to see this. And we are trying to just continue to grow. And so uh, I, because we're adding them, um, I want you to know that their mission will be our mission. And if you don't know our mission, our mission is to lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So their mission is our mission, all right? Our vision, our vision is becoming their vision, and our vision is to change the world. That's really, our church wants to change the world. How are we gonna do that? We're gonna grow to be a church of 20,000, and I've started to say we're gonna have 20,000 gathered so that we can send 500 missionaries. We also wanna have uh, 10 million that we give annually to world missions. We're at about $8 million this last year. And uh, we wanna train up other churches. We don't wanna just do this alone. So it's, that's our, our vision. And so our vision is their vision. And then I also wanna say this, our values are their values. And you may not realize what our values are, but we have seven values as a church. And I wanna teach on those today because um, I want the church in Vancouver now to hear these values loud and clear. I want you to be reminded of our values. And if you didn't know these were our values, some of them, you're just gonna go like, yes, that, I knew that, I knew that. And I want you to hear this uh, because I want us to see them, hear them, memorize them. And then I want us to commit to living these things out. And so these are our seven values and I'll just list them real quick and then I'll go through them. Uh, number one is the presence of God. Number two, generosity. Three, our heart is global. Four, next generation. Five, unity. Six, inspiration. And seven, authenticity. All right, so where did we find these? These didn't just come out of a book or some like, you know, session that we did. Really, your values come out of who you are. It just kind of springs out of who you are. Um, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus was saying, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's in you. It's in you and it just comes out. And that's what happened with our values. 
And they're different for everybody. So some churches say, well, this is ours, this is ours. These are our values and, and, and values are different. And the great theologian, Elvis Presley, he, he said this. I don't think I've ever quoted him before. Uh, values are like fingerprints. Nobody's are the same, but you leave them all over everything you do. And I'm praying that our values would get all over everything we do and everywhere we go and all the people we meet. And here's how our values worked. Like as we started, these values were in me. They were in Becca and I. I mean, we were the founders with 13 people. It was just there and it just started oozing out of us. And then when the church was small, everybody kind of observed that. And we're like, I think those are our values. And then as the church got bigger, people started to say, do we really believe that? Why do we do that? What's going on? And the values got questioned. And so uh, several years ago, we just said, these are the things we believe. We clarified them, we verbalized them, and we made it so that they could be memorized and lived out. And I really believe this. Values are meant to be lived out. These are not just seven things we're gonna throw on the wall so that everybody sees, you know, I wonder what they're there for. We wanna live them out. And by the way, um, I walked around our Apple Valley campus and, you know, in all the remodeling, you know, you do the remodeling and then you do this, this phase and all that. I was looking for the values out in the lobby and I didn't see them. And uh, I was like, where are they? And they're in the back hallway on the wall. That doesn't help anybody, all right? So I don't know at your campus, whichever one we're at here, uh, where you're watching, they need to be on the wall. And news to our team, like a new rule. The team's ready, they're like writing it down. I want the values in the lobby. I don't know, I was even thinking like we put them around the auditorium or something, I don't know. Make it look cool, all right, but get them up there, all right. These values have to be there. They, they, they need to be there and they're meant to be lived out. And what they do is they guide every conversation. They inform our decisions. They, 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 it's part of our strategy. They're reflected in our budget. And um, Roy Disney said this. He said, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. And so when we know what our values are, we're gonna be able to make the right decisions. And these values declare worth. And, and again, my hope is that we'll know them so well and that, the, again, even just reading them, you're like, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that. But I'm praying whether they were never on the wall or never found on the website, which they're there on the website, but if they were never there, you would just, it would just be so much of you being a part of River Valley Church that you would live these out. Now, I know there's seven values and some of you are doing the math. If I do two and a half minutes per value, we're going overtime, all right? And Minatrista's worried, Chaska's worried, you know, some Maple Grove, you're worried. They have smaller parking lots or turn around or pack it up. I'll go uh, longer on the first one and then uh, shorter on each one, but we'll get there. We'll end on time. I understand what we've got going on at all of our campuses. But the number one value that we have is the presence of God. It really is. Matter of fact, in our back hallway, which I think is an appropriate spot because our worship team and our pastors walk by it before they come onto the platform, it says one moment of the presence of God changes everything. We just really believe that we want to be aware of God's presence. And what do I mean? I mean his manifest presence. Some of you felt that for the first time in church today. Maybe you're visiting and you're like, wow, something as that was being shared as as that song was being sung. And for our online in Apple Valley, Pastor Ryan just shared a very vulnerable moment about a, a tumor and praise God, it wasn't serious and God got him through it. And, and that you could, just, you could feel the presence of God. Some of you are like, oh, I had goosebumps. No, I, I believe it's the manifest presence of God. You were feeling something that was, God was saying, I love this, I love, and you're glorifying Jesus in this and, and we feel his presence. And it, it means that we're aware of him, we're engaged with him. 
Some churches don't pursue this. You know, some of them are like, we're more intellectual and we really wanna, we don't you know, worry about the manifest presence. And, and I'm like, I think we can do both. I think we can grow intellectually and we can have the manifest presence of God. Sadly, some are only going through the motions. They don't want anything to do with the manifest presence of God, but we do. It's our number one, we want the presence of God. And in that, those moments where we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in our services, it's like, he's doing something with you and you and you and you, and it's all different and it changed. Everybody's having these moments with God and we want this to happen. All throughout the Bible, the presence is there. Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 51, 11, don't take your presence from me. First Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord's presence continually. Psalm 21, six, I was glad with joy with your presence. Psalm 139, seven, where can I go from your presence? I mean, Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord, it says. In, in Luke 1, what does Gabriel say? I'm Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. I mean, it's so beautiful. Acts 2, 28 says, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. God's spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. We want his presence. We want his presence. You're like, what does that mean? And I could go through this and maybe I will up ahead and do each of these as an individual sermon. But in Exodus 33, God's like, all right, I'm not going with you and I'm gonna change things up. And Moses says, don't, if you don't go with us, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't wanna go. I don't wanna go, we need you. We need you. And, and, and in the Bible, presence means his face, relationship. It means that the Hebrew word really used for presence means face. It's like being together and God desires to be close to you. He's not distant. He's not just out there hoping you make it. He's your heavenly father. He's right there with you. And, and there's so much here. Um, just even think about this. I, okay, the intellectual and the presence and in Exodus 25, God has a tabernacle. He says, here's where I'm gonna dwell. And here's what I want you to, I want you to set up with this table and this lampstand and all this. And on this table, I want you to put the bread of presence. It's in Exodus 25. I want you to have the bread of presence there. And that would be like other gods that were worshiped in that day and age. They would put bread or sacrifices before their God. If you've ever been to Thailand and you watch people go to temples and they put food there, but God's like, you're gonna put this bread of presence there in my tabernacle and every week you're gonna make new bread and you're gonna replace the old bread, but you're not gonna burn it before me or throw it away. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna eat it with me. That was unlike any other God that was being worshiped. God's like, you know what? face to face. This is the bread that says like, we're together in this and I desire to be with you and I want you to be in my presence. And if it blows your mind, like Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. He's like the bread of presence. I mean, God's like, I wanna be with you. I wanna be there. And we're like, God, I wanna be close to you. And some of you, you come to our church and like we're raising hands and you're like, man, that's just like way outside my comfort zone. We're just like, God, I wanna be near you. I wanna be close to you. It's, a, it's an expression. It's like a child that says, daddy, pick me up. It's like, I wanna be close. I, I don't wanna be down by your knees. I, I wanna be by your face. I wanna be in your presence. So the number one thing we have is the presence of God. That's what we desire at River Valley Church. It's our value. Number two is generosity. We serve our God and our God says he loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, he gave before we ever did anything for him. The early church in the book of Acts was generous. 
I mean, and I, 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 we, we serve the God of the expanding universe. So many of us have a stingy view of God, like he's slicing up pie and he's got to make a little piece for you. and a No, he's the God of the expanding universe. He, right now, at this moment, our universe is currently expanding. God is generous and we are going to be generous. People ask me, Pastor Rob, are you a kind of guy that sees it half full or half empty? And I always say it's half full and it comes with free refills. That's the way I want to live. That's why we do Kingdom Builders. That's why we were giving last week and this week and we'll have the push at the year end and people will be giving millions of dollars this year. Millions of dollars. And people are saying, I want to live generous. I don't want to live stingy. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We are a generous church. And I just encourage you, be generous, be generous, be generous. You see a missionary, be generous. You may not realize this, but somebody in our church uh, is an Uber driver and was driving a missionary that we support. And the Uber driver said to the missionary, like, I can't believe I'm driving one of the missionaries from River Valley Church. Can I just pull over? Can I, I, I just need to make a quick pit stop. That's not usual for Uber, for those of you that don't know, all right? And they said, okay. And he ran into the ATM, got the money out and said, I gotta refund you your fare and I wanna give you $100 because you're a missionary from our church. That's generous culture. That's, yeah, come on. You're like, who's the Uber driver? He only does it for missionaries. All right. <laughs> Third, our heart is global. We are a local church with a vision to send out 500 missionaries. Our heart is global. Like, this is too good to keep to ourselves. And we believe that God has given us the leadership and the stewardship and the finances to grow our church to 20,000. And from that 20,000, we're gonna send 500. Believe it or not, I've been saying this over and over for about the last five years to our staff. We need to grow to 20,000 so we can send 500. We need to grow to 20,000 so we can send 500. And I keep saying that. The other day in staff meeting, one of the staff members took the number that we're running right now with the number of missionaries that we are, and they said, for every 40 people, we send a missionary. Then they did the math and they added all the people to 20,000. They said, we get to 498 missionaries if we get to 20,000. I said, see, it was inspired. Like we, we wanna gather 20,000 to send 500. See, we just believe the world needs to hear. We believe what Luke 10, two says. He told, Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We believe that, that he wants us to send people into the harvest field. We used to say at River Valley, within four years of being a part of our church, go on a global team. By the way, we're gonna have like, I believe 80 global teams next year, all right? We're making it super easy, all right? But we used to say, within four years, go on a global team. And then people would be like, well, I'm at three years, 10 months, and three weeks, you know? And it was like, they're waiting it out. We're, now you know what we say? As soon as you can. If you wanna know what our values are, if you wanna bleed this, if you wanna understand this, as soon as you can, go on a global team and see what God is doing around this world. Now, this is radical and people quit. People tell me like, yeah, I just wanna go to a church that's not so concerned about going and giving so much and king builders. And, and people will come to me. It's like, hey, we're quitting. We're just like, you guys are always like, reach them and reach them and send them and then you know, kingdom builders, millions. I wanna, and they're like, we're just gonna go to a church that just wants to stay still. What am I supposed to say? Like, 
bless you? I, I don't know. And I, like, I'm just kind of like, really? Because really? see, ever since Acts 1.8, the church has been like, go, go. Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's like, guess what? You're gonna go. Yep, you're gonna get together and huddle up and get recharged on the weekends or whatever, and then go, go, and send people out. And a fully mature church, see, it brings people into the faith, it disciples them up in the faith, and then it sends them out. That's what all churches need to do, in, up, out. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's why our heart is, like if you, like our heart is global and we are radical in this way. And some people say like, well, why don't you start River Valley Churches in all these other countries? We're not trying to do that. I mean, we, we've now got Vancouver, Canada, because they feel like us, eh? You know, and so we're doing that. But I mean, we, we were like, okay, we got one in Swazi, Eswatini, but we're like, hey, we'll, we'll invest in you. We're just building his kingdom. We're building his kingdom. And we just feel like our heart is global. All right, number four, next generation, we'd risk anything for them. Kids are not an afterthought at River Valley Church. Matter of fact, when we were starting River Valley Church, I'll never forget, it was me and three other volunteer staff. We, none of us were paid. We were all working different jobs. And we were sitting at the Mall of America food court. And we were there because a couple of the guys worked there at the Mall of America, so we'd have our staff meeting in the food court. And uh, so we're there in the food court, and we said, what would we risk our life for? And I said, imagine this, and this is back in the day when the Twin Towers were still standing. I said, if there was a cable stretched between the two towers and we had to risk our life, what would we go across that cable for? We said, will we do it for money? We said, no, it's not that important. We won't do it for that. All right, will we do it for lost people? Yes, we will do it for lost people. Okay, and that's where our heart is global and for the lost. We said, will we do it for our kids? Absolutely, we would risk our lives for our kids. This, this is something we said right then. We, would, we just wanted to risk everything for kids and it's reflected in our budget. It's reflected in what we do. And, and by the way, we have a wonderful uh, kids ministry and we have our, our River Valley kids and the kids go in there and it's not like, get them out of the service so we can worship. No, we're like, get them an age-appropriate service so they can learn. Get them an age-appropriate service so they can have lessons and songs that they could sing. Because as I've shared before many times, when I was a kid growing up in church, we had one church and it was for the adults and the kids. Mostly it was for the adults and the kids endured. How many know what I'm talking about? And I sat there and like, don't you, this is the motion my parents did all church service. <laughs> I wanted to sit with grandma and grandpa because they didn't care what you did, you know. <laughs> so we're doing this because we have age appropriate things. And, and when I look at the Bible, People wanted to make kids an afterthought to Jesus. People were bringing kids up and the disciples were like, get them out of here. Get, the, get them out of here. Get them out of here. And she's like, don't do that. Bring them here. Bring them here. I want to bless them. It says that he, he laid his hands and he, and he blessed them in Mark 10. He, that's the God we serve. He said, woe to you people that cause one of these little ones to stumble. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea. Like, don't offend these little ones. Like, take care of them. Some of you might be familiar with a term called the 1040 window. 1040 window means 10 degrees of latitude to 40 degrees of latitude north, uh, right around the equator, north of the equator. It goes through Africa. It goes through the Middle East. It goes through that band of India. That's the 1040 window. 
And it's really where the vast majority of people that don't know Jesus are located. That's the 1040 window. There's another window that people have discovered, and it's called the 414 window. Between the ages of four and 14, most people say yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Children are not the afterthought at River Valley. They are something that we are saying, we love you, you're the church, we care for you, we want you to learn about Jesus, we want you to have this faith, we want you to grow up in a church that loves you and cherishes you and believes in you. And um, can we just do this right now at all of our campuses? Can we clap for all of our kids workers and team that take care of them? Thank you, thank you. Number five is unity. Number five is unity. I wrote a book on it, Speed of Unity. Wrote a book on Speed of Unity. And uh, I won't do much on this, but I will say this. Two of the most important things for the church in the New Testament, there's two things that were very important. Unity, once they knew Jesus, unity and holiness. Unity and holiness. God's like, I love this unity. There's an anointing in unity. Jesus prayed that we'd be unified. And when we come together from all different backgrounds and different uh, ethnicities and different socioeconomic, you understand there's a unity there that we all love Jesus. And the world looks and goes, what brought this group together? And he says, you glorify him when we're unified. So we, we believe this. And can I just say this? Let's protect the unity. We've had incredible unity in our church. I've loved this that we've had incredible unity in our church. Um, the first church I was part of as a youth pastor endured a church split a year, every year, church split, church split, church split. I was a youth pastor. I saw the pain and the destruction of what would happen there. And I've prayed ever since then, God, help us to have unity be a value. Help us to protect the unity. And if you're a leader in this church, especially protect the unity. I've shared it before and I'll share it again from Speed of Unity, but I talk about in any band, there's two people that need to be in perfect step. It's the drummer and the bass guitar. They need to be in the pocket is what it's called. Boom, boom. And if they're off, there's dysfunction. And if you're a leader in this church, we need you to be in unity. We need you to be on beat with leadership. And it's okay to talk to your leadership and ask for more clarification to make sure that you can be here. But if you're a leader, we need you to be there to protect the unity. It's one of our values. Two more. Inspiration, number six. We just believe this, that you can live your best life in Jesus Christ. We really believe this, the best is yet to come. When I was walking around Apple Valley campus, both of the doors in the main lobby walking out, it says the best is yet to come. That's not just a saying, we really believe that. You say, but I'm going through this crisis or this thing over here, I, I, I know, but this isn't it. Like there's overtime, when you get to heaven, the best is yet to come. So no matter what we're going through, the best is yet to come. But how many know when God gets you through it to the other side, there's just the best is yet to come. We really believe that. And we are gonna be an inspiring congregation that says, like, we get to do this. We get to do, it's not burdensome like, to, to do what God wants us to do. We get to do this. And we don't come to church like, I, I just know a lot of churches when they raise money, they used to be like, well, you know, if we don't do it, we're gonna have big trouble. You know, kids can't go to camp and bus needs new tires. And you just be like, womp, womp. 
We're raising millions, tens of millions of dollars for the kingdom of God. We're like, we get to do this. We get to do this. As I was thanking people last week, they're thanking me, saying, no, thank you. Thank you that we get to do this. There's an inspiration here. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of us has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. When you come here, we want you to be built up. And we understand that there's real situations that you're going through, which will be our last one that I'll talk about. We understand that. But we're gonna be inspiring. We're gonna be faith-filled. We're gonna lift it up. I determined years ago, whenever anyone brought me bad news about anything, that I was gonna be a person that would be like bringing the stretcher to bring them to the answer, not the pallbearer bringing them to their funeral. People come up, I'm battling cancer. You're like, oh. When people say, I'm battling cancer, you know what I say? You know what? We're gonna pray. And right now, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna do everything I can right now. We're gonna get you the best doctors. We're gonna open any door we can, and we're gonna pray. We believe in a God that still heals and still does miracles. I'm gonna bring the stretcher to Jesus. That's the type of church we are. And I'm not denying what people are facing, but I'm saying, I'm gonna lift you up. And this place is gonna be a place where like people have said, even Pastor Rob, when you preach about some of the hardest things, I just still feel like you love us. I do, I do. I wanna inspire you to live to the greatness that God has for you. I want you to throw off those things that entangle you. I want you to get rid of the sin that is just destroying and stealing your joy. And so if ever I do that, I'm trying to inspire you to live who God sees you as. I want you to live as a child of God. This is an inspiring culture. And number seven, we did it, we made it in time, we did it. Number seven, authenticity. See, we are real people being authentic. It does not mean we're perfect, okay? But we're gonna be authentic. And I pray that we're consistent in worship in here and consistent in the restaurants when we leave here and consistent in the homes where we live and consistent in the schools where we go to school and the workplaces where we work. And I'm praying that on the work site, there's not a different vocabulary than what is praising God in this room. I'm praying that there's authenticity, again, that we're being shaped. And, and Christians aren't perfect, but we're perfecting. We're becoming like Christ. And so we let the Spirit of God perfect us and change us into his image. And we wanna be authentic. And some people say, look, I'm just keeping it real, keeping it real, I'm just, that's me, I'm keeping it real. No, keeping it real is not being authentic. Sometimes that's used as a way to excuse away your bad behavior. We wanna be authentic. We wanna be the same people everywhere. Recently, a guy came up to me and he said, you know the day you became my pastor? I said, what day? I thought he was gonna share some really good sermon or something. And he goes, I was on a flight last year. And I went, oh boy. Oh, like, like, because on planes, sometimes I get a little edgy. My, my family calls me the Delta Diamond Diva. You know what I mean? So I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I said, really? It was, that was the day I became your pastor, right? Huh? What did I do? And he said, you, you, you were on the plane. It was late at night. It was a late night from Atlanta coming back. And you stood up, and, and all of a sudden, this lady behind you had to get off the plane. She bumped into you and smashed into you. It was going by. You just kind of stepped aside and just kind of let her go by. And he goes, I just determined right there. Like, you didn't say, hey, ma'am, wait your turn. You, you didn't yell at her. It was late. We were all tired. You just kind of like, okay. You let her go by. And he goes, that's the day you became my pastor, and I was like, praise God you were on that flight, amen, you know, like, <laughs> whoo. 
We're gonna be authentic. The world needs to see a church that will share their victories and their failures, and their failures, not like keeping it real, but saying, I wanna be changed in the image of God. You know, I've shared I had a temper problem, created a scene at the Mall of America years ago. I thank God I'm not that same guy anymore. I thank God I wanna be the same and I want you to be the same. These are our seven values. I pray that we'd memorize them, we'd put them into action, and then we'd, we'd live them out so this world would say, I want what they have. I want what they have. This is, these are our values, this is who we are, and if you cut us open, this is how we're gonna live and, and, and function and just bleed, if you will. And I just pray again that we'll live it in such a way that the world says, I want what they have. I want what they have. So Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to live out these values. And we celebrate a new location in Vancouver. What a joy to be able to celebrate that. And that just woke me up to say, I wanna make sure that everybody understands these values and that we'd live them out. We'd live them out for you. So God, help us to do that. Help us to do that so that we can lead more people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with you. Thank you, God, that we get to do this. I just thank you for this, and I give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. It's for you that we live this. In your name we pray, amen, amen.